Hi everyone, from Impact Alpha, this is Returns on Investment, a show about the impact investing marketplace. Live, on tape, from New York, I'm Brian Walsh, head of impact for the financial technology company Liquinet. With me here in New York is Imogen Rose-Smith, who's a senior writer with Institutional Investor Magazine. Hello, Imogen. Hi, Brian. And joining us from the San Francisco Bay Area by the magic of podcasting technology uh, is David Bank, who is editor-in-chief of Impact Alpha. Hi there, David. Hi, Brian. On today's show, we're very excited to introduce a new segment called Is That Impact? where we'll debate whether a given enterprise, investment, or project is really indeed generating impact. But first, we're going to discuss everyone's favorite topic, millennials. Are they the savior for inclusive capitalism that we've been promised? David, help us understand why so many in the impact and responsible investing movement are pinning their hopes on millennials. Is demography destiny? Well, it's not just the impact investing movement. You can't go, you know, <laughs> onto a website or a, a news outlet without something about millennials now. So part of it's the sheer size, eight, you know, 80 million plus, bigger than the baby boomer generation. Um, and then, you know, there's a supposed kind of generational ethos. And so there's a raft of studies and reports that have come out and surveys and, you know, 90% of millennials say their investments should try to make a positive impact on society compared with 74% of other generations. And 67% of millennials see investment as a way to express their social, political, environmental values, you know, more than double the baby boomers. Here's one I thought was interesting. Deloitte had a survey that said two thirds of millennials expect, already expect to leave their jobs by 2020. They're going to choose their careers based on their values, and therefore companies better have values, according to Deloitte. So, you know, part of it is just there's there's a, a lot of them, and then the, the other part of it is they may or may not have a lot of money. So, Imogen, we, we see uh, all this talk and hype around millennials as being a force to be reckoned with when it comes to their consumer purchasing power. We're seeing a lot, and there's a lot of talk about their force as employees and, and how they want to work for companies that have some kind of purpose or some kind of social impact. But I think increasingly now there's a lot of people are excited about their force as investors. What do you, what do you take? Is, is there too much hype around millennials that uh, will they be the saviors? Well, the, the rationale for why the millennials are seen as a force for investors is to do with this idea of generational transfer of wealth, right? That as the millennials inherit their wealth, the wealth of their parents, or indeed build up their own wealth, they will want to invest with their values. And one of the reasons that the impact investing community in particular is very focused on this issue of millennials is because there are a number of statistics that show that most inherited, when people inherit wealth, they tend to replace their investment advisor with a different advisor. So as a result, the investment community sees, or particularly the private wealth community sees this focus on impact as a way of engaging the next generation of inherited wealth. Next gen is really the key term, really probably more than millennials, because next gen refers to anybody you know who is the inheritor, as, as Imogen said, of the wealth. And speaking of sort of conventional wisdom or these numbers that roll around, there's something like $30 trillion in assets that's going to change hands, the so-called intergenerational transfer of wealth uh, in the next couple decades. And, you know, some of the recipients of that are millennials, but you can be, you know, 40 or 50 or 60 and be the inheritor. Um, and the other way it skews is women who tend to live longer also tend to be inheritors of wealth. So next gen, you know, encompasses, you know, these new wealth holders. 
So, right, and that's what that, that's what I know. People in the in the Gen X generation segment uh, often are a chagrin that millennials get all the attention because, in fact, this thirty trillion dollars transfer of wealth is going to first go to Gen Xers before it goes to millennials. We're not going to skip the generation. Well, I don't, I think it's even more sort of confused than that just to focus on the millennials. I think if you think about who, who has the power and who can really shift capital now, you also need to think about the baby boomers. And I actually think that one of the really powerful points is the interaction between millennials and baby boomers, right? Students and 20-year-olds putting pressure on their parents to invest their 401k responsibly, having conversations about, you know, where to put their money, what, what your business is doing. I think that we miss how, in fact, you know, the baby boomers, arguably who squandered a bunch of the world's resources, and now amongst the people who are also leading the change, or at least listening to the change. So I, I think that a focus, de- demographic trends, you know, encourage a focus on millennials, but I think it somewhat misses the point. I also think that it's not clear if you ask people in their 20s, what, are they, what do they want, how do they want to invest, you're going to get a very different response from when you start asking people in their 30s, 40s, or 50s as people start thinking about, like, you know, getting a mortgage, having kids, paying for college, retirement. Hey, you guys, we, we, we always uh, thank our producer, Isaac Silk, at the end of the program, but we actually have a, a token millennial in, in our midst. Um, Isaac, you know, what's on your mind as you uh, navigate your, your own 20s? Hi, everyone. It's good to be on the podcast for the first time. Um, <laughs> what's on my mind as I'm navigating my 20s? Are you focused on your own personal advancement? Are you focused on the, 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 the health of the planet? Are you focused on the poorest among us? Well, I, so I graduated two years ago from Wesleyan. So I, I, I don't want to speak for all millennials, but personally, I think there's a, several layers of concerns for the people that I know. There's the, oh my gosh, everyone's an independent contractor unless I'm a programmer. I mean, I live in the Bay Area, so it's there's different sectors that have different area, different jobs for people. But like, unless you're a programmer, you're working these independent contractor jobs or service jobs. And so there is the concern of how can I afford to live in this expensive urban area that so many millennials want to live in. But there's also concerns about the future and, you know, global prosperity and the environment. I mean, we're, we're talking about, you know, intergenerational transfer of wealth. I know people that have inherited money already that are my age that don't have any idea what they want to do with it, and they don't know anything about impact investing either. So I was talking to my housemate, and he has money in a trust fund, and that he was interested in... He was basically like, I think that my money is invested in oil. Like, eek, that's scary, but also my asset manager is doing a great job. And I was like... If you're uncomfortable with that, you have the power to move your money into someone who can do good stuff with it. It's an option for you. But so I th- what I'm trying to say is I think that it's it kind of like the asset managers need to be pitching it to the clients to at a certain level, because I don't think people who have lots of money who aren't totally engaged with this world are like, oh, like I actually can do good stuff with my money yet. Like I just haven't seen it from people in my generation. So our focus group of one gives us an opportunity to uh, 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 do more education or gives the impact investing world an opportunity to do more education, uh, more on-ramping of, of, of young wealth holders and uh, 
possibly a, a, a more cogent description of what the of what the benefits are. Yeah, David, I think we can uh, be uh, like true millennials and take that one data point and then speak very knowingly on this topic, taking the input from from Isaac. And I, I do think that there there is a sense that. Uh, millennials are very active in the political realm. They're very active as conscious consumers. They're very uh, active on social media and uh, being slacktivists, so-called, you know, where they uh, w- will engage on a topic and, and, and voice their concern on, on various social network platforms. Um, Brian, that's, li- that's likely to get you a bunch of flames on your Twitter feed. Uh, that's fine. Uh, th- that Twitter feed is at Impact Alpha. Uh, but, but I, I, I think that there is, uh, there's less awareness among millennials about how they can be active as investors but and how they for can for a fundamental reason that most millennials don't have money, right? You think about the time when millennials entered the workforce or as they entered the workforce, we started, you know, we had a long economic recession. The ramp up has been very slow. It was, you know, considered a jobless recovery for a long time. You're talking about a huge escalation in student debt. So... You know, it's the very, you know, only the 0.1% are really inheriting wealth. We're talking about a tiny percentage of the population. And it seems like the more millennials are much more useful and much more effective as activists where they've had a huge impact. You think about, obviously, Bernie Sanders, climate change movement, and also as consumers. But I think that to really focus the destiny of impact investing on the millennials is somewhat short-sighted because the people really moving capital aren't yet millennials. And what are we going to do? Sit around for 20 years until they're the ones with all the money? There's always a danger in ascribing these uh, sort of characteristics to whole generations. And it's really, you know, at the margins that the polls, you know, show the differences between the the age cohorts. Um, I think, as you said earlier, uh, Imogen, the baby boomers who are now sort of, you know, exiting at least their primary careers, you know, have a lot of, you know, gas left in the tank and are, you know, increasingly turning towards social purpose. I think the millennials, you know, have a uh, a sort of um, youthful idealism, shall we, you know, say that that is driving them towards at least thinking through these issues. But I think, you know, ultimately, maybe in fact, you know, the next generation it, it doesn't even have a name yet. People call it Generation Z or what have you, born after the millennium, who uh, are going to actually inherit the problems that that need these kind of solutions um, uh, from climate change to, to income inequality to resource depletion and, and the rest of it. Right. And, and David, you, you also talk about the, the fact that there are a, a lot of efforts that are kind of underway to really uh, engage and educate and inform, especially the, the high net worth millennials. So I wonder if you could run us down through, through some of those efforts. Of course, there's like the Nexus Global Summit, the resource generation, the impact. Do you think that these efforts are gaining momentum? Uh, where, where do you see them as far as having an impact on those millennials who currently are large asset owners? I think there's there's definitely if you you know if you're on that circuit um, there's definitely a a millennial you know a wealthy wealthy socially engaged millennial circuit of conferences and gatherings and whatnot and um, uh, at the level of you know building a brand around that kind of identity uh, I think you know folks like resource generation. Um, Nexus Global Summit, you 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 mentioned. I think they they, they claim that their gathering in twenty fourteen um, represented seven hundred and fifty billion dollars of of assets. Um, and then there's the impact, which has just gotten gotten going. It's not specifically millennial, but it's it's basically around this family 
office type issue, which is, you know, driven by trying to engage the millennials in the running of the family business. So um, at the upper 1%, or maybe it's even the upper 10% of the 1%, um, there's a a vibe on that uh, social impact is the place to be. Well, I think we're going to have many more years to debate the impact or potential impact of millennials. Uh, so we can we can put a pin in that uh, conversation right now. Now let's move on to our new segment on returns on investment. And that's a segment where we ask the question, is that impact? It's a new segment here on returns on investment where we take a company, a project, an investment, and we ask the question, is that really generating environmental, social, or otherwise impact? Imogen, you have for us our first candidate for is that impact? Yes, Donald Trump, impact businessman. Wait, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, wait, sorry. We, we didn't talk about this beforehand. So you're saying Donald Trump is an impact businessman? I, I'm saying you could argue that he is, in one specific instance at least. So Donald Trump owns a hotel and golf course on the west coast of Ireland in a place called Dunberg. And it is on some, it has a massive golf course built on some sand dunes. And the sand dunes, due to climate change, are in danger of falling into the sea. So Donald Trump has petitioned to build a wall to protect the dunes of Duneberg. Wait a minute, Imogen. You're saying Donald Trump wants to build a wall? Yes. And it's a good thing? To keep out climate change. So you're saying he doesn't believe in climate change. I know, but apparently he does in his business. And can you think of, you know, if you're if you own a bunch of hotels around the world, you're going to be affected by climate change. Can you think of, of a presidential candidate more likely to have their business affected by climate change? So you're saying Donald Trump's business depends on climate change adaptation and therefore he's going to be a impact an impact investor and lead the lead the charge on 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 climate adaptation. I'm saying in order to make Duneberg great again, Donald Trump has to build a wall to preserve the dunes and thus preserve his golf course. And, and the dunes are critical ecos- critical habitat for some endangered species, I hope. There were lots of birds and stuff. I mean, <laughs> Wait, so you visited these dunes? Yes. I actually went to stay at the hotel the other This weekend. was a reporting trip that you took to investigate Donald Trump as an impact businessman? No, I was actually there for a wedding, but I think it would be very interesting to visit all of the Donald Trump hotels and see what the impact of climate change was or is going to be on those properties. So the case you're making... I believe for- Donald Trump is going to visit the Donald Trump hotels uh, in, in Ireland and Scotland uh, at the end of this month. He is, and his son was at the Duneberg Hotel last month reopening the golf course because it was damaged in 2014 as a result of a massive storm. So, so they're building this wall, and this wall is going to be built in an environmentally friendly way to protect the dunes themselves. Yes. So that's the case you're making that Donald Trump, in this instance, is an impact business person because he is trying to protect these dunes. My, my point would be, wouldn't the greater protection of the dunes uh, be not to have a golf course built on them? Yeah, that, that is definitely an argument. But keep in mind that his hotel is also employing the good people of Duneberg, which is not you know, a particularly economically thriving area. And the hotel employs 250 people and the surrounding area. And if the dunes aren't protected, the chances are he's no longer going to be running that hotel because in 10 years there will be no golf course. 
The other way to protect against the dunes eroding, Brian, might be to uh, mitigate the effects of, of carbon in the atmosphere and reduce the melting of the, of the ice caps. I don't think Donald Trump's working on that. So what do you think, guys? Donald Trump, impact businessman. Is that impact? I, I, I'm, Is that impact? I'm, I'm going to go down and say, uh, no, that's not impact. I think I'm going to stick with you, too. There's a, there's a thing that, 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 that is a sort of subtle point about impact, but intentionality. And is, the, is, the, is, is Donald Trump's, Trump's intention to have positive social and environmental benefits from this investment? Right, and, and my, mine comes down to something a little bit more fine-tuned than that, and, and that's the product or service that he's actually offering. Is it generating, in and of itself, generating a positive impact for the world? And I would argue that it's at best a neutral to slightly positive impact uh, to have a golf resort that, that wealthy people can go and attend to and have weddings at and go to their spa. Uh, I, I don't know if that's necessarily uh, bad for the world, but it's not, it's not a social uh, use uh, that's helping society in the broader sense. And building a golf course yeah. on protected or endangered uh, dune area, I, I think is definitely a slap in the face. And also you say, talk about the economic impact on the local community and, and the employment that he offers. I mean, we don't, you're, you haven't made the case, I don't, anything about whether he's paying fair wages or whether it's, uh, it's, it's treating them well. I'd, I'd want to know a lot more. I'll be working way in on it. But what, the way I think about impact investing is that the product or service that the act, the enterprise is about, not just how it creates it, so not just its environmental footprint um, or its labor policy or its uh, its uh, governance processes or anything like that, not just that, but the actual uh, what the company or business does has to have an impact. And I, I think having a, a, a golf resort for uh, super wealthy people on the coast of Ireland uh, doesn't necessarily in and of itself generate positive. So why is it we're okay with having impact investing being driven by funds for super wealthy people, but we're not okay with having impact combine the recreation of super wealthy people, wealthy people? Well, Imogen, you, you, should, you, you need to answer your own question. You brought it up. Donald Trump, is that impact? Because if we limit impact to intentionality, or we limit impact to purity of mission, then the impact investing movement is always going to be small. If the argument is that market forces will eventually show these changes have to come, then there is no clearer argument for that than Donald Trump being forced against his own rhetoric to in fact be an impact investor. All right, let's leave it there. David, any final thoughts? Bravo, Imogen. And now your Twitter feed will be filled with flames. <laughs> Sad. All right, uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Returns on Investment. If you like the show, subscribe to us on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you listen to podcasts these days. And be sure to leave us a rating and a comment. It really helps other people discover our show. If you don't like the show, then you know the saying about how if you have nothing nice to say? Uh, just kidding. Please send us an email with any comments or suggestions. We love hearing from you. You can reach us at info at impactalpha.com. For more on the Impact Investing Marketplace, follow us on Twitter at Impact Alpha and visit us at impactalpha.com. While there, be sure to sign up for our newsletter to keep in touch. Special thanks, as always, to our technical producer and token millennial, Isaac Silk. Thank you, Isaac. 
In New York, I'm Brian Walsh. On behalf of David Bank and Imogen Rose-Smith, thanks for listening to Returns on Investment from Impact Alpha. We look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thank you.